When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's Monday on this show, you all know what that means. Another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the show from our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. This week, they offer their draft picks for how the qualifiers will perform at the 2021 U.S. Open. They also discuss Petro Tsitsipas' good form of late, while Damian had the chance to speak with Joseph Kovalik, Nicolas Iari, Nuno Borges while at the 2021 Warsaw Challenge event. You are going to hear all of those conversations within this podcast. It is a fantastic episode. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course. Before we get to that show, a little bit of housekeeping. Each and every day, we will be offering Ace of the Day picks here on our Great Shot podcast feed. Those picks going to center around the 2021 U.S. Open. You want to follow along with us. Hopefully, put a little bit of money in your pockets. Feel free to check back here each and every afternoon. Of course, we'll be be recapping each day of the U.S. Open on our mini break podcast feed. You can find all of that content on the website, crackrackets.com. Of course, also got to give a shout out to Turner. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner Tennis family today. With all of that said, Let's get right to it. Another challenger edition of the show with host Damien Kust and Jakob Babro. Westoff, roll those credits and let's get to it. Uh, hey, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. We've got three three very exciting uh, events to talk about this this week. It's it was it was Warsaw, Barletta, and Como, and I'm obviously joined by my friend Jakob. Uh, he he will have to lead you through the the the, the no, Barletta and Como I said Barletta and Prague of course and he he will have to lead you through the the events in Bar, in Barletta and Prague a bit because I was away in Warsaw but uh, yeah that's that's what we're gonna do this week uh are you excited to to talk about yeah, this week's I mean, charger events I'll, I'll, I'll try my best <laughs> <laughs> okay so where do we start I guess I guess we should start with oh actually we can Warsaw is the obvious starting point yeah. for sure but maybe maybe we do start with an announcement of a retirement. Yes. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to, you know, uh, yeah, the I mean, way? Or... Pa- Paolo Lorenzi has called it a career, um, a challenger tour legend, a tennis legend, a legend in any um, sort of <laughs> aspect that you want to look at. The, <laughs> Yeah, it's one of my greatest regrets that I never got to see uh, Paolo Lorenzi live. 
unfortunately. Uh, it just wasn't on the cards for me. And I did. Yeah, I, I, I did. Really yes, I, I saw him win the challenger in Sopot in 2018 and <laughs> then go to the quarters uh, two years, one year later. So I actually saw like eight or nine matches of Lorenzi and I'm very happy I did, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, like, like, like the, the fact that he sort of became relevant so late in his career, and of course he is a challenger legend, but he he was like like in the in the top fifty for for thirty third, I think, uh, yeah, at his peak. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was his peak, and I mean, twenty one challenger titles. Who does that? <laughs> well, only only two people have more, uh, so yeah. Uh, an absolute legend. Obviously, this year it was a bit tougher for him. Um, I picked him to win a tournament at one point, but that was more <laughs> thinking. <You did. laughs> yeah, I, th I think it was like Rome. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, and I remember you thought he was 36. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's 39. Uh, a bit older than that, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but yeah, what a career it's been. Uh, honestly, yeah. Well, what will you miss about Paolo Lorenzi the most? I guess the crazy matches, like you know, in terms of his mental toughness, was just amazing. Like, uh, uh, actually, you know, there on Twitter, there's sometimes these things like you know, serve, give a player like who's the best, forehand, give a player who's the best, like you know, this, this sort of list. And once yeah. upon a time, someone asked me to uh, do that list, but for challenger players. And I put Paolo Renzi in match toughness or something like that, like mentality, something like that, you know, around uh, something around this. And honestly, I, I would totally uh, confirm that peak again. I mean, the, the amount of crazy dramatic matches that he won, the, as you said, the whole late bloomer aspect, taking a set of Nadal and Clay, which is <laughs> absurd when you, when, you, when you know how limited his game was. Like he, he just really maxed out his potential, it feels. And uh, I, I mean, seems like a standout guy and uh, and a fantastic human being. He's a legend of this podcast as well. And besides the 21 ATP Charger uh, Tour titles, he also had 423 match wins on the Challenger Tour, which makes him just one of three players to, to get over 400. By the way, I guess we should maybe mention who, who the others are. So over 400, it's uh, Ruben Ramirez Hidalgo and Goseda. Am I right? I think it's Goseda at, at 400. And then for the titles that you mentioned, 21, uh, the only ones with more are Jensen Lu and Dudisela. So yeah, very absolutely incredible. The, a legend of this uh, of this circuit and a legend of this level of tennis, and we'll definitely always remember him. It's a shame that he couldn't go out with the crowd. That I will say. Yeah, yeah. The, the streets will not forget Lorenzi. Um, <laughs> um, he should have announced I mean, it honestly. It's just like, the fact that he got to a point where he was like seated at a Grand Slam. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I mean, like I, I vividly remember Lukas Latsko beating him at Wimbledon when he was like the thirty second seed. Uh, okay. Yeah, like, I think that's... I think when Federer played him at at Wimbledon, it was he was always or a seed too, or, or no, 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 maybe not. That was the first round, but but yeah, you're right. He was he was a seed, yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely miss miss Paolo Lorenzi. Hopefully, he you know sticks around as you know tournament director, coach, wherever. So he's still, so we can still talk about him every single week. 
he should have announced his comeback beforehand honestly like we would have been you know <laughs> like uh, did you watch the match against Rovia? Uh, I, I didn't see it yeah no. me neither and like you know if we knew then we would have watched it for sure right and that's that's a bit yeah. sad but, but I mean Paolo wasn't really big into social media and <laughs> and this kind of stuff so you know maybe maybe that's why he didn't but anyhow we were really gonna miss him some amazing moments even this year like the win over Altmaier in Antalya it sounds so surreal <laughs> when, when you think about it right now uh, yeah but I don't know. Uh, really, really right. sad should to see we, him go. Should we yeah. go to Warsaw? Yeah, right. probably. Uh, probably we should. I I was there the the whole week, so so once again, had a lot of fun. Even though the rain delays were very frustrating at some point, I honestly was pretty certain that we're not gonna finish the event at one point. But it turned out that Saturday and Sunday were actually rain free, which wasn't the forecast before. So. So, so you know that 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 was a slice of luck, but it was also you know the the tournament wasn't exactly ready for this heavy rain. It is a it is a fault of theirs, and like hashtag get a roof Warsaw. Challenger. Yeah, because like <laughs> two days uh, the center courts action started at like three p.m. or something because they simply couldn't get the courts, you know, that couldn't get the conditions there. Uh, to be to be suitable yeah so that that was that was pretty bad i mean they 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 simply weren't expecting that Uh, even uh they they only had covers for the center court actually and after monday they they got uh, they got two more for for the other courts yeah but they only had three so they couldn't also one day uh, one day we had four courts but they couldn't play on them after because because they simply didn't have covers for them so it's you know the organization wasn't great uh but you know we, we made it to the end and 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 that and that's great we well there's there was also that whole leo borg drama leo borg fiasco yeah. whatever you want to call it i mean this is a this is uh like five days after the fact so maybe i can well i guess i can say it now i've heard from shimon someone who talked to shimon kelan so leo borg's doubles partner that well the only reason that you know the match didn't happen was that leo didn't want to play off center court like what the exact reasons were is unknown but it's i mean if if, if he's acting like a star and uh he's he doesn't really have reasons yeah i mean obviously the, like the whole situation was was where like so it's it sounded like outfire was acting like like a star and was trying to, you know, there was that whole thing about like, okay, if I win this game, we can keep playing, but but mm-hmm. if, if I don't, we do switch courts or whatever. Yeah, but so, so maybe if he's trying to take a stand and be like, we're playing on this court. That story I, it, is it, actually like, like, that could be like a start thing. Mm-hmm. But, that yeah. story about Altmaier is actually like a bit unconfirmed, I feel like. Oh, I, it, I feel right. like it only happened in the, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, I, I I didn't talk to the supervisor or anything. I don't think he would have given me any info because why? But <laughs> like, so. the this, this story about Altmaier was only in the Borg family Instagram post or something. So I, I don't actually, you know, have the confidence that it is correct. I know that Bjorn Borg said to to his friend Wojtek Fibak, whom we talked about when 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 they were together in Poznan, that he called him and said that he loves Warsaw and he loves Poland and that he you know the, the, the whole situation is not going to 
you know, uh, hamper his relationships with 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 either po- any of the Polish guys or with feedback and that that maybe you know they can they can be back in Poland at some point, but the, you know the the memories from this event are definitely not going to be great for Leo. Uh, I, I really don't know what to think about this situation, and, and it, well. it was just wild because I mean, like, 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 like I, I didn't watch the match; I only saw the scoreline. But to see him winning two to nothing, I was like, "Oh, what's happening there?" And then for them to to stop uh, and start again, and then for the retirement, it was just so so odd. Yeah, I hadn't seen the 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 you know the, the these two games as well. I was on the outside courts, uh, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually I feel, glad. That... I feel like I feel like as you are wants to be uh, <laughs> a challenger, but to be on the outside court. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm actually super glad that I was on the outside court so much because my back doesn't hurt. Like on the outside courts, there were just good seats that you know. <laughs> after Poznan, you had severe back pains, and here because I spent so little time on center court, I'm feeling fine. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, Camilo Carabelli won this one. He's 22 year old. He he's uh, uh, obviously an Argentinian. One one part of the whole group that's coming onto the tour, like Echeverri, Tirante, Paez, but he was a little left behind there, and maybe he shouldn't be anymore i mean we we've talked about him a fair few times here because of that top 100 win against martinez in, in ludenscheid for example so you know i'm i remember picking martinez to to win that week so i'm not <laughs> right now I'm, i feel a little better about this pick but i definitely didn't expect that from Hugo Carabelli. honestly the the win against altmaier was obviously the standout he defeated jari 60 6-2 which was very shocking, but then again, I actually believe that center court was a lot slower than the outside courts, and also Jari had not much time between, uh, you know, be- between his match on the previous day to to the quarters. But a huge physical feat from Hugo Carabelli as well, because his semifinal against Baranko Cosano lasted almost three hours. It was, you know, obviously Hugo Carabelli, Baranko Cosano. You're gonna get a lot of grueling extended rallies, and that's exactly what we got. And the, the 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 fact that he was able to bounce back because he played two matches on, on Saturday, uh, because, you know the, the rain forced the tournament to be completed from the quarterfinal stage on the weekend, and to bounce back to the final and be once again super consistent, impossible to outlast in baseline rallies. Honestly, a bit bummed for Max Kashnikovsky because you know it, it looked like just another first round exit where he plays fine but can't really get to the opponent, and then the then the opponent wins the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I I've been quite impressed with um, Baranko Kosano. Uh, obviously, yeah. quarterfinal in in Ludenscheid and now semifinal here. Uh, beat Lukash Klein, who, who I was sort of feeling like once Klein was in the quarterfinals, I was like, oh, maybe he can do something here with with, with Altmaier out uh, and with with Harry out. Uh, well, Harry was obviously out in the quarterfinals, but yeah, I was feeling like like maybe he could he could get in there. Um, didn't work out for him, obviously. But we should talk about also uh, Nino Sedarušić for him mm-hmm. just being back to back finals, which I, f- I feel like uh, at, at, at least I definitely like undervalued him after the after uh, like last week where where he reached the final um but i wasn't really predicting him to to do anything big in warsaw how did you feel about said that this week yeah i i i'm i'm fully on board with you there 
I I remember us talking that Sendarusic half of the draw was simply way weaker. That Taberner Rune was the was the match that decided the, mm-hmm. the tournament, and I I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> I mean, Sendarusic also played the pole in the first round, Daniel Michalski, and it was a fairly close match. Then he defeated Tristan Lamazin and Dvbenski, and honestly, I was I was not that excited about his game yet. But the one against Kovalik in the semis, like that was a performance and a half. Uh, great at the net, really, like played very aggressive tennis from the ground. He served extremely well. Like Kovalik didn't break, didn't have a single break point in that match over 12 games. Uh, and that's also that match is one of the reasons that I think the outside courts were faster because 24 service games and only two break points fa- uh, faced by Kovalik. And obviously Kovalik is a decent server, but not not someone. You he's know. not amazing though. Yeah. Yeah. Sedarusic is pretty high, but he's also not at the class of Jari or. I guess Jari was the was the biggest server in this event, but I was super surprised to see Sedarusic go this far. And when, uh, when actually after the Kovalik match, I was pretty sure he was winning the finals, because you know three three hours as I mentioned three hours for Karabelli. and then I don't know he just wasn't aggressive enough from the ground anymore he was getting pushed behind the baseline a lot which you can't really do against someone like like the argentinian and i i don't know if it was nerves it was his first challenger final and he's still titleless May, maybe mm-hmm. it was again uh, the center court being slower uh, i imagine so that it might have been tougher to impose himself but i i think if he you know if he got it to a third set if he managed to you know, to just just make Ugo Karabelli run a lot more, just not commit the the errors, not get pushed behind so easily, then maybe he could have still turned it around. But uh, seemed like a very nice guy from the from the ceremony and all. I didn't I didn't actually get to talk to him, but he's traveling with his coach, uh, with his coach, obviously with his coach, but with his brother, Filip uh, Sardarusic. I don't know if you remember him from his playing days. I did not like I. When I saw his his name on the on his accreditation, actually, I I, I was I was just oh he played tennis too as well, uh, right? And yeah, I checked it and he played like I don't know eight years ago or something. But anyhow, they they're, they're traveling together and it seems to be really working out. I mean, back to back challenger finals is a a huge mm-hmm. feat. And uh, I guess this is where we might get uh, our first interview plugged in. This is going to be with Josef Kovalik, so the, the semi-finalist. It was after his first round match with Johan Niklas. And uh, yeah, the, this one might be a bit weirdly edited because there was a lot of wind and some of Kovalik's answers are pretty much impossible to hear. So here you go. Is your hand fine? And what did you think about your performance today? Yeah, my hey, and I think okay. I didn't feel the pain after two, three games after the incident. So I hope so. Will be good. Since 2014, that you're skipping the US Open, could you explain the decision not to go to New York and you know to play here? Personal things I have to say: not go to US, and also also the travel to USA is not easy now, and everything about COVID and all these restrictions. There is many reasons to not go, and I decided to stay in, in Europe. And lastly, do you feel significantly more pressure because you know you and Daniel Altmaier are a lot higher ranked than the rest of the field? So do you feel more pressure on yourself to go deep here? Uh, I didn't try to think about that. I mean, it's, it's not easy, especially on this level. It's the guys 
400 is playing really good. So I didn't think about the ranking. I tried to play my, my good tennis and just focus on my, my performance. Thank you. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, and as you, as you heard, I I asked him, for example, why did you know why why he decided to go to Warsaw instead of the U.S. Open, and basically he said that there were personal reasons uh, other than you know simply liking clay and all that he that he had to stay for for some reason. Obviously, didn't investigate this further because you know what's personal <laughs> is is personal. But anyhow, Kovalik was also really good this week. I was a bit sad to to see him go because you know as i mentioned last week he's in the elite group of players that i've never seen lose actually he's not anymore <laughs> because he lost to serda Rusic. but honestly at some point as you mentioned with klein like there was a moment in the quarters like you know saturday i don't know noon maybe where i really thought this was gonna be a kovalik klein final I was really hoping for that, especially since they picked Kovalik to, to win it. Yeah. <laughs> Never forgotten another point. Um, but yeah, it just, just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's quite interesting that he skipped it for a person. I, I can't think of what the personal reasons would be. Um, but yes, who else should we talk about? We should probably talk about uh, Shimon Kielan. Mm -hmm. uh, Polish talent beat Goncalo Oliveira, then lost to, to Midler in what seems like a pretty close match. Uh, what did you think of him? It was a close match. If it, if it wasn't for uh, some double faults in crucial moments, then I think uh, Kian might have won that. Also, the rain delay kind of screwed him. Uh, it was, well, he, he was losing 5-2 in the first and then broke back and was like, had a lot of momentum and then the rain came and they had to uh, finish it on the next day. And I don't think he played nearly as well uh, the day after. Midler actually, it was a hilarious moment when Midler shouted Danke to like, you know, thanking the, the skies for, for bringing the rain because the momentum was really on Kelan's side. And Kelan's, Kelan was incredible. I, I had never seen him before this event. He got the wild card as a result of his uh, title at the Polish indoor championships. Not the best field, honestly. Uh, the top seed was Maciej Rajski. I don't know if you uh, even know him. I, I, I think I've, I've seen the name before. Yeah, but yeah. like, like you know, that, that was the top seed, so there, there weren't any Majszaks, Żuks, Hurkacz, etc. But it turns out that Kelan is also gonna be uh, play. Uh, is also gonna play for the the, the club Legia Warsaw and in the future. So that's probably also another reason for his wildcard. And the, the very, well, his game was absolutely huge. Like, you know, with Midler and with Oliveira, like, he pretty much played tennis with himself. Like, it was only about whether he would hit or miss that ground, that huge ground stroke. A big serve to up to, like, 220 to 225, although he did go for some variety as well. Like, he would throw uh, 225 and then on the next point, 150, you know, sliced to the, <laughs> to the corner. So it's actually, you know... Uh, this is a good prospect. Like really, uh, back uh, last week on the on the ITF tour, he also took a set of Michalski. So it wasn't exactly, you know, out of nowhere. But I've heard that on clay, he was usually, you know, not great. It's, his style simply really fits indoor courts, faster courts, indoors especially since there's no wind at all. And the, the definitely a thing to mention is that he's coached by Michal Przysiężny. Oh, is he? That's, yep. that's interesting. 
Yeah, he was at both his matches, and apparently they trained together with. There, there's like a group of of uh, young Polish players who train a bit with uh, with Przysiężny and Skielan, Piotr Galus, who you probably never heard of, and uh, right now Filip Kolasinski. Maybe you've heard of this guy. He he is playing college tennis for Stanford right now. So when he's back mm-hmm. for the summer, he he's been training with Kielan, uh, Galus, and Przysiężny. Uh, yeah, but anyhow, Kielan, Kielan might really be a big prospect. I'm really wondering if, you know, if there's Pekao Szczecin Open, the, the last challenger in Poland, is going to give him a wild card right now because I totally would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if he's this exciting and he's uh, actually winning matches and being competitive on this level, then he's definitely somebody that they should invest the wild card into as opposed to Leo Borg. I mean, well, <laughs> I don't know if he's, if he's going to go there. Yeah, not, I, I I wouldn't expect it. I think he might go to Poznań next year just because of the friendship between Bork and Fibak. But uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Szczecin maybe, but but Warsaw, I wouldn't count on it. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Shame. It's also, by the way, a shame that uh, we don't have any pro indoor events at the moment in Poland. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Kielan could really benefit from that, right? And we have more of these of these players who would probably do well, do better on uh, on faster courts. Like for example, Jan Zieliński, whom you mentioned that that you really liked, qualified for the for, for the singles main draw, which was quite a shock because it was his first singles event this year. He even lost like three matches in the Bundesliga. And I also think he, you know, with his doubles experience, he could be a, a bit more of a factor on, on faster in courts, maybe indoors, maybe hard courts, than uh, exactly on clay. And the, the match against Lamazine was actually quite sad to watch because after like 10 minutes, you just knew that there was nothing happening in that. Like, no, there's no mm. way. Like after ten minutes, you just knew that the score is gonna be something like this six to six two. Um, yeah, we we kind of kind of talked about Nicholas Jari already, but we also have a have an interview with him. Uh, so I guess without further ado, here we go. This was the this was done after his win over Nicholas Kicker, where he improved to five zero against Kicker, which was quite shocking. Uh, you've never lost to Kicker in five attempts. Uh, how have you managed to stay undefeated in what seems like a very tough matchup on paper? No, nothing. It's just those uh, people that you feel a little bit more comfortable playing. Um, I have opponents that the other way around that I cannot beat, so uh, you just have to keep playing and with confidence. Uh, yesterday, the, a lot of the players reported that the conditions were very slow and heavy because of the rain. Did, was it something that you felt like today as well? And do you feel like it suits your game? Uh, I don't know if it fits my game because I like fast mm-hmm. uh, to for my serve. Yep. But it's what it is. And yeah, the conditions are, are, are tough and, and, and slow. Are you happy with how your comeback is progressing? Did you feel like it would be tougher, easier? Yeah, I'm very happy for, for my progression. Um, I thought it was going to be much, much tougher. So I'm very happy that all the hard work is paying. Uh, if you were to compare your level right now to the to, to what you had before the suspension, what would it be? Uh, better. Better? Better, yes, okay. better. It's just... Uh, I just need time to get back mm-hmm. uh, matches, but I think it's it's better. Sometimes I think so too, but I was surprised at you. So okay, thank you. Is there anyone else that you would like to mention from here? Um, I'm not really sure. Do do we do we have anybody else that we want to talk about? 
Uh, ah, sorry, yeah, I forgot about Nuno Borges. Yeah, he was playing his first <laughs> event in a month after the second ankle injury. And we also have an interview of him done after the first match against Lucas Catarina. He lost to Baranko Cassano, who's been just absurdly impressive recently. I, I, I had him figured out as a typical Spanish grinder, but well, obviously he's still playing like a sp- typical sp- Spanish grinder, but just absolutely peaking at the moment. But anyhow, about Borges, here's the interview. Uh, so this was your first match after the ankle injury. Uh, are you satisfied with your performance? After, the, you... after the what? The second ankle injury. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> are you satisfied with your performance today? You're very updated, I see. Um, yeah, I gotta be. I mean, I came out with, came out with a win with a guy who's been playing. And, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the easiest conditions for the both of us, you know, having to wait for the rain and the courts are very heavy, conditions are different, but I think it in some way helped me because he probably likes the court a little faster. And uh, I took advantage of that, you know. But even even though I had a lot of a lot of up and downs in the in the match, I I gotta be happy with you know just being out here and being able to play and being able to finish the match without you know getting injured. Did moving in the braces uh, take some getting used to, or is, are you completely comfortable? No, I, I think I just need to get back all the confidence from you know just moving regularly. I I for sure lost some confidence and just need to get my. My moving in general, you know, um, I'm a little slower and my forehand and backhand don't feel so well and you know, just need to play a lot more matches to start feeling better. But I think everything will come with, uh, with time and uh, I'm already used to these, so um, I, feel, I feel good. Okay, so lastly, one sort of general question. When you look back at your college career now, what's like the, the thing that you're most thankful for, the thing that you're most grateful for? I think the opportunity to go there was was a blessing because um, it really taught me a lot. You know, I matured a lot in those four years. Um, I became, I think, uh, wiser and more mature and responsible. And I come out in the pro circuit and more aware of what I need to do and what's my game and what makes me good. Uh, how hard you have to work and you know how long is the journey to 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 become one of the best and College taught me that throughout those four years. All right. Good luck thank tomorrow. You. And thank you. Or, or tomorrow. So you're probably on Thursday. But <laughs> probably on Thursday. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. 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 And uh, the really interesting part uh, is that, uh, well, at the beginning, I, I just started with, you know, this was your first match after the injury, uh, after the second ankle injury, I think I even said. And he was like, wow, you're really updated. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he only knew how much we talked about his ankles here, then, <laughs> then he would understand, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah so, so do we have anything else from here? Or are we going uh, Well, to- my title pick was Vitaly Sachko, but well, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he threw away a, a match against Subanski, yeah. First round, oops. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but best we talked about us not being that impressive recently. He actually made the quarters here, uh, so not horrible. Mine was, as I said, Kovalik, who I, I felt like I was, I was quite confident in uh, didn't end up happening for me, unfortunately. Me too. But yeah, but uh, in Berleta, we had a very exciting uh, final between two young Wait a second, though. Mm-hmm. I would oh. like to mention the doubles, too. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, and, and uh, by the way, about Kovalik, I was also super certain that you were winning this. Like around the quarters, I was like, no, no one left in this event is gonna beat Kovalik. But as we said, Serdarusic definitely uh, outperformed our expectations and all. Uh, and as for the doubles, I actually didn't get into that as much as in Poznań. I think the reasons are, well, there, there are a couple of them. Uh, in Poznań, there were th- these pairings that really interested me, like Gonzalez Hunter Johnson or uh, Tsitsipas Cornea for the, for the mother. And uh, here, not really, like I, I didn't care about, about most of the players. And also because of the rain, some matches had to be played indoors and the indoor venue was 20 kilometers away. (laughs) So, yeah, so I had to miss some of them. Uh, But there was still a a wildcard team in the the finals of Vladislav Manafov and Piotr Matuszewski. For Matuszewski, I was actually super shocked to see that this was his first uh, main draw win at, at, at a challenger. But he's been playing very well with Franco Agamemnon, whom we're so, soon gonna talk about. Spoiler. Uh, but he's been playing very well with Agamemnon on the ITF tour as well, so it really makes sense. And it turns out that he and also Jan Zielinski are now coached by Mariusz Fürstenberg, so the, the tournament director. Oh, wow. So I guess that explains their wildcards. <laughs> you know, Zielinski in the qualities for singles and Matuszewski for, for the doubles. I also recorded an interview with Matuszewski, but I mean, it's in Polish because... Well, I, I probably would have asked him to talk in in English, but I came up with a, with a colleague of mine who works for like a like a Polish website. Uh, but anyhow, the, a story that I wanted to tell uh, about this was that we well we came up to him and well the, the the friend my friend started, and he said like is it the it was after the semifinal victory and he said is it the happiest day in your career, and then Matuszewski went on to talk for four minutes without us interrupting for even even a moment and he literally uh, i don't know he he told us the story of his career like <laughs> he literally started talking about uh, when in 2016 he got the challenger wildcards to this and then uh, told us the whole story of his season and partnering with Agamemnona and all like the, the guy just couldn't stop talking like it, it was it, it was absolutely hilarious because we we, we he you know he he answered all our questions in advance basically and uh, yeah i mean i i would take that sort of situation over like like a one word answer oh definitely <laughs> and, def- definitely i mean we just we just didn't really have much to do it was but but it was nice i mean that yeah uh, we liked it and uh it's actually a funny story also the what he told us that he wasn't even supposed to partner with agamemnona but Agamemnon's partner for the, uh, he didn't say who it was, for for an ITF in Cairo came and a week later than he was supposed to. And that's how Agamemnon and Matuszewski paired up and they won uh, quite a few, uh, like two ITFs this year or three. So yeah, uh, a cool story as well. But I, I, I didn't really follow the doubles event here as much as I did in Poznań. I actually even had to leave near the, the end of the first set of the final because I had to catch my train. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you can go to Barletta, yeah. But yes, now we go to Barletta when we ha- where we had a pretty exciting final between two Italian 19-year-olds in Giulio Zepieri and Flavio Corboli with uh, Zepieri being the winner, 6-1, 3-6, 6-3. 
first title, he gets this close to breaking to the, to the top 250. He's at number 251 now. <laughs> um, really? it was, it, like, I, I yeah. didn't figure Zapier was this close, okay. Yeah, 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 251. I mean, it, it took him up all, like, like almost 50 spots. He was, he was like on the brink of mm -hmm. 300. Um, but yes, beat Timofey Skato, who we talked about a lot, Arna Boldi, Oklepo, and um, Chung Sing Tseng, who's of course coached by Dominic Hipati. <laughs> <laughs> like um, when, I, when I saw Tseng going deep this week, I, I already had this in mind that, oh yeah, we're going to talk about Dominic Hipati. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as, as for Koboli, it was also a great week for him. Beat Pavel Kotov, Tim van der Eithoven, Aziz Dugas, and uh, Chego Agustin Tirante, who was also very exciting this week, beat out my pick to win this event, which was Andre Martin, which was, yeah, I mean, I talked about it. It was ill-advised, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, somebody else that I wanted to talk about from this tournament was uh, Andrea Vavasori, who is... Uh, mostly a a doubles player, for, for for the most part, really he's he's around like like top eighty in doubles and just sort of came out of nowhere here through qualifying to beat Jay Clark and Nicolas Mejia to reach the quarterfinals here. So what a run from him! To be honest, I I did not see that coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you catch anything from Valletta? What what what, what caught your eye here? barely as i as i mentioned when we when we talked about it last week i wanted to watch martin jacopo berrettini and i did uh yeah, and i also did watch martin tiranta it actually turns out that i, I am a fan of andre martin <laughs> no, actually not I, i'm probably more of a fan of tiranta and definitely got what i wanted in the in that second round not only because you picked martin uh, but Tirante, Tirante has been very impressive to me. I definitely expected him to to win the whole thing, and I might have to, might have to, uh, you know, rethink my expectations of uh, Flavio Cuboli recently. Uh, like, like not recently, but but uh, you know, he's been he's been doing better than than I thought. I I remember saying on the podcast that I'm not sure he can repeat the the Rome performances week in week out. Mm -hmm. But maybe, maybe he might. And actually, as for Andrea Vasori, I just wanted to say that two years ago in Poznan, he had a very similar run and uh -huh. won the doubles uh, and was in the semis of the singles event. And I'm just looking at the draw and he beat Gianessi, Otte and Martinez and Varias. So <laughs> a, a stupidly yeah, good run. Like a very strong run. He, he really should play singles more often. He, he could probably be like... You know, he, he's already top 400. He could probably be top 300 if he played more, uh, if he wanted to. But yeah, I mean, he, he, here he played doubles as well, of course, out in the mm -hmm. semifinals. Um, so nothing super remarkable. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing Tepieri Koboli in the final, two very young guys, two Italian guys, as if there wasn't enough of them already <laughs> for the Challenger Tour. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's somebody who we're probably going to probably be talking about for a pretty long time. So yeah, it was definitely exciting to see that. Yep. Uh, also, uh, I picked Juan Manuel Serundolo, and he retired in the first round, so I guess unfortunate <laughs> i once again had all my picks go out in the in the first round of the one was my retirement but i really need to step up my game uh yeah as as you mentioned the these italian youngsters have been really good this year and, and it, it makes sense that they would have a final like that it was very exciting actually i couldn't 
I couldn't watch it, although I was back home already. So, um, so yeah, maybe I'm going to make up on that. Maybe not. We'll see. And I guess we have Prague to talk about as well. Yes, Prague, where uh, Franco Agamemnone was king, speaking of Italians uh, and Argentinians, very, very strongly for both Italians and Argentinians. Well, they, he's they he's Italian-Argentinian, isn't he? So. Yeah, he's mostly Italian-Argentinian, so, so, so both countries can basically claim two wins uh, this week on the Challenger circuit. I'm sure they, they're going to be fighting over that. Um, <laughs> yeah, only dropped one set, beat Nicolas Sanchez-Izquierdo, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Blancano, uh, Michael Hertz, uh, Igor Seisling and Ryan Peniston. Um, we talked about him as having a lot of wins. He's almost, he's about to break 70. Uh, he's, he's at 69 now. Uh, with, with, 69? With the first... I thought it was 68, but okay. No. 68, 69, including already the, the first qualifying round. In... Ah, he won today. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so he won that one. Uh, and he's going to be playing, funnily enough, Andrea Vapasori for number 70. <laughs> oh. That's a cool. That's a cool uh, qualifier tomorrow. If if anyone wants to watch Chandler qualifying, then that's definitely gonna be pretty good. Yeah, I I did not get to watch much of the of this event. I I I just saw our 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 pick for the for the title go to absolute crap. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we both picked Jonas uh, Foretek. Which, uh, in hindsight, wasn't a really great idea <laughs> because he went out first round to Genaro Alberto uh, Olivieri. Uh, to be fair, I feel like this field it was almost impossible to pick from. Everybody seemed to be almost like on a level playing field, um, or like, like around a very similar level. But Foretek seemed was... like a, a tad above the rest, right? Like I felt yeah, like I mean, Foretek like, was like, the one everyone would go for. Yeah, probably like like potential wise, it's probably mm-hmm. him or or Gianu or somebody like that from this field. But at, at this point in his career, he's on the level with these guys. So you don't believe Agamemnon will, will has the potential for Aida Cristiano? <laughs> <laughs> How old is he? Is he like thirty years old? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, actually played just two Challenger majors before this year, which is absolutely I mean, he, crazy. He can still become the next Paolo Lorenzi. So <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean it. It's really crazy. Like this week, uh, I was also well not watching because it was non streamed, but I was following the 25k in Poznan. Uh, actually, one one of my favorite players, Pavel Chash, was in the finals, and I just realized how little points there is on the ITF circuit. And to do something yeah. like Agamemnon, so jump for hundred places, you literally need to do something absolutely incredible. I mean, tomorrow he might get a 70th match win. Like this is sometimes we talk about the players having you know to that the, their schedules are are too too big like I uh, know the, the top guys who play probably play seventy matches a year not win seventy matches a, a year and and it's it's just crazy that in order to go through the ITF level and advance to the challengers you need to do something like this and actually one very easy way probably not fixing that at all but i mean i i have no idea why 25 k's give 20 points not 25 and likewise for 15s mm-hmm. i mean it's yeah it's stupid to me really that would make a lot more sense i mean for for, for on that obviously he's trying to play more challengers now 
but I feel like if he stuck with IDFs, there is a potential for him to, to like break a hundred wins this year, which <laughs> absolutely it's, it's probably not going to happen now because because he is trying to play more challengers. How many did uh, O'Connell have in 2019? Uh, probably remember. not a hundred. I don't, I don't I don't think he went there, but I'm I'm, I'm gonna see, see it in a, in a second. Um, Chris O'Connell, 82. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. he was quite far off, actually. I don't yeah, know I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, Agamemnon really should beat 80, 82 with how much time he has left in the season. Sure. Um, 13 means away, he should probably beat that, but yeah, 100 maybe I mean, be a bit too Fed far. Fed 92 in, like, 2006 or 2005, I can't remember. So, but but you know, obviously he, he didn't even play 100 matches. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that's still a fantastic achievement for Agamemnon, and and uh, I, well, I, I can't remember what I was supposed to say. I I remember being uh, very close to pick uh, picking Alexander Richards, and he lost uh, an absolute shocker to Kaichi Uchida. Like I, I, I no, I have no words for this. And also today he lost to Petros Christophos. Uh, wasting three match points in 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 Como qualities, so a bit disappointed with the with the recent displays of Richards. And by the way, when we're talking of potential in the draw, I think Putinelli de Almeida might might be close to to, to oh, these yeah. guys like Gianu and and Foretak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we go to upset of the week and match of the week? Uh, yeah. Just maybe one more thing on Prague is Ryan Peniston. Uh, yes. Who should probably be mentioned because he <laughs> hasn't played, hadn't actually played on clay in five in three months, uh, years, in three years since 2018. Actually, like it was like almost exactly three years, like August 2018, and he managed to reach the finals here. I think the a pretty shocking w- victory was against Diaz Acosta and Olivieri probably as well. Like mm-hmm. I, I have no idea where he had this level from on clay. I, I wasn't really able to follow his his run much, uh, but he's also playing uh, at 25k this week. As far as I remember, it's in Ritane in in is it in Slovakia or Czech Republic? Czech Republic, I think, right? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So so it's gonna be exciting to watch if he's if he's even gonna repeat that. You know, it it was a Challenger 50 event, so that 25k in Ritane doesn't really have to be much worse, right? <laughs> yeah, prob- probably. Uh, now that everybody's back from uh, slam qualities, um, but yeah, my episode of the week, if if we're if we're going to that now, um, mm-hmm. is is Olivieri over Foretek, just because I mean I, I I guess like on the bookies it probably wouldn't be up there, um, but both of us just being so certain that he's going to win <laughs> that we just completely forgot that like. Oh yeah, he, he isn't on that level yet, and for him to lose sort of easily two and four to to Olivieri, I was a bit like, oh yeah, it actually mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of shook me up. And then yeah, my match of the week I'll mention later, but it's kind of it's kind of off the board. It's a it's a bit weird. Okay. <laughs> um, for upset, I think I'm going with Diaz uh, Peniston over Diaz Acosta. Just mm-hmm. the, the, actually, a friend asked me. You know whether I thought Diaz Acosta was uh, someone you can bet on in this match, and I remember saying something like, "I mean, on clay, Diaz Acosta is not going to lose to Peniston." Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'm now looking at the at the betting odds, and looks like in Barletta the biggest upset was Alvarez over Bonadio, which is which is really weird for me, 
but according to the bookies, the biggest one is uh, in Warsaw, Kelan Oliveira. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, even never seeing uh, Kelan before, like just Oliveira Oliveira being that huge a favorite against anyone is sort of (laughs) off to me, right? Yes, yeah. Um, for my for my match of the week, uh, I'm pretty much just going to like sort of <laughs> pick a set, uh, and it's uh, from the qualifying final in Warsaw, Jan Zielinski against Aldin Sitkic. Mm-hmm. I got really into this. <laughs> it was a one six six two seven five. Um, I saw the one six. I thought like, oh yeah, Zielinski won around against Mansuri somehow. I don't know whatever. Um, Mansuri but was awful, actually. Yeah. yeah, then he got back into it, and I know that Sitkic. At least from when I've seen him, I saw him live once in Bratislava randomly. I thought he was like not really that good, so I was kind of looking at it like, "Oh, he won the second set. I, mean, I have to put this on." And I was just so incredibly involved in this third set between Zielinski and Sitkic that I, I just had to pick it. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, I, I I love this story. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the only it's actually I also didn't think much of Sitkic. Uh, I, the only thing that I remembered about Setkic before this week was that he Dustin Brown once hit a behind the back volley against him. Like I, I, I can see the full point. I can see Dustin hitting that. I can see Setkic's name on the scoreboard. But like other than that, he was just a name in ITF draws for me. So yeah, and and Zielinski's quality campaign. I mean, I think he landed in the perfect spot. That that really allowed Probably, him a chance. Yeah. Setkic <laughs> uh, very easily straight set into Yasha Shairik before that, and Shairik was actually coming back after injury, it seems. So, um, yeah, and my, I, I, but I love the you know the the the, the peak because it's so it's so weird. Uh, my peak is going to be this time from Warsaw because I remember when I was in Poznań, I didn't pick a Poznań match, but this time it's going to be Serdarusic Kovalik. I know the second semi was probably more dramatic. But I thought mm-hmm. the level was way, way better in Serdarusic Kovalik. This was this was really a match that I could that I could show to a person who thinks that challenger to level is is crap and they and they would definitely change their minds. Like that that that, that was really huge. Both guys served served extremely well and just you know played 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 very good tennis of the ground, fast paced, and in Ugo Karabelli and Baranko Kusano, it's sort of got into a huge mess i actually couldn't see them both at the same time because you know the, the because of the rain delays the, the semis were contested at the same time so i had to choose and said that kovalik was clearly the better option for the most part so yeah, yeah that, that's my match of the week um all right are we going to drop reviews or are we going to the to the qualifiers draft uh, yeah i absolutely forgot about the qualifiers draft so uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, you know forgive me for maybe thinking a little bit more than than usual but yeah uh, i think we can go to the i think we can go to the qualities drafts i guess that's a good good idea right now uh, yeah, sure. we can also add the lucky losers right because because there's two yes yeah there, there's two of them so, so, so Patanjash and kukushkin yes I'm frustrated because I had a list of all the qualifier matches like just a second ago and mm-hmm. then I for, for you know, just a second ago and then I deleted it and now I don't. So yeah, it might take some time for me to, you know. 
That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah. So how do we decide uh, who starts? What was it? Rock, paper, right. scissors? Rock, paper, scissors, yeah. over Zoom. Let's do it. <laughs> One, two, three. I'm starting. So that's scissors. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I am going to start. I'm just thinking because I have two qualifiers who I feel like should win, but I'm thinking who who probably takes it, uh, you know, more most of the time. I'm gonna go with Botik van Zanshulp. It's a good matchup against Taberner on hard courts, I believe, and and he probably will get enough rest after a tough quality campaign to, you know. Yeah, I'm going to be controversial, and with my first uh, pick, the, the second overall pick, I'm taking a lucky loser actually in this qualifier draft. I'm taking Mikhail Kukushkin because he's playing Pablo Andujar first round, uh, and he he's been kind of tragic. So okay, so, so I'm taking Kukushkin, and I have one more pick. And you know what? I'm going to go for the double. I'm taking the other lucky loser as well. I'm taking Zapata Mirais. <laughs> yeah, when you said you were picking the lucky loser, I actually thought you were going for Zapata Mirais because it's, you know, I thought about yeah, it for it, my first it, it, Yeah, Zapata Mirais, who, who had like an absolute meltdown in his match against, like, I forgot <laughs> who, who it was against, but it was a. <laughs> first one against Kozlov, then, Jesus, I can't remember. They they were like, uh, the, the first one was against Ote. The first, the first one was against Ote. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the second round, but yeah, ah, he was just oh, the whole time. It was horrible. Uh, Wasn't yeah, it a Spanish-speaking person, too? Like, someone... No. I'm, I'm pretty sure he played, he played against somebody who was Italian, but I don't remember. Italian, who, but, maybe. Um, uh, I'm going to check that in a second. But yeah, anyhow, the, the, I have very nice draws for these guys. Mm -hmm. uh, who are you going for Marcora, next? yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Roberto Marcora. Um... Yeah, I think I'm going to go for an easy eight points, was it? And go for Molchan and yes. Milka. Yeah. I definitely like Molchan to win it, but I'm not certain, you know, enough to go for only Molchan. So I'm just going to go Molchan Inka then. Yeah, I mean, Molchan very nearly lost to Gastaro Elias. She was yeah. behind the third set all the way until the very end. She came mm -hmm. came as a total shock to me, honestly. Um, yes, who am I going for here? I'm going to go for Kamil Majerzak, um, playing Rusuvori, who, who was in pretty good form, but I feel like that's very much of like a coin flip kind of match. And uh, I'm not really sure about this, but I'm going to go for Marco Trungeliti, because he's playing Davidovich Fukina, who's been in poor, poor form. Uh, so I'm going to hope that he's going to keep doing that for me. Cool. Uh, Mike Shack is a good pick, I think. Uh, in the quality, he never lost serve and has been playing really well. Like the, the win over Wolf was great. Um, he has a real shot at Reservoir Emo. Um, okay, so I'm gonna go with Oscar Otte. Definitely really wanted to have him on my team because I feel like the match against Sonego is very winnable. Um, and I don't know who. Oh, actually, this seems pretty cool. Like, this is a bit of a long shot, maybe, because, you know, it's in the States and all. But I'm going to go with Maximilian Marterer. Like, at this stage of Johnson's career, that this seems like a coin toss to me. Yeah, I mean, he he's kind of picked it up uh, since he's come, come back on hardcore. He was absolutely horrible to begin the year, yeah. Steve Johnson. He was <laughs> um, really, really bad. All right. Pretty good both, go, go both ways, you know. 
Yeah, I'm going to go for um, Andy Laksanen, mm-hmm. John Millman, and I also kind of like that second round there potentially against Karin or, or Gombos. I feel like that's if, if he wins the first round, that's pretty winnable. And uh, da, 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 da. I'm going to go for Antoine Juan. He's putting Marcos Giron. So, or Jiren. I, I, I never know how to pronounce yeah. his name. Uh, really I always went with Giron, but I have no clue if, that, if, that's, like, either, yeah. if that's even right. Uh, Marcos, Marcos is kind of like a Latino name. Could be. Probably Giron. not Giron, but no. I, I don't know. Really? No Maybe. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just pulling up his ATP profile. Yeah, and there is an, a recording. Oh. Um, Giron. Giron with a G, yeah. yeah. Um, so now, now my two picks, right? And we have not that many left. I'm gonna go with Chris Eubanks, maybe. Yeah, let's go with Chris Eubanks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just uh, this is a super fun matchup between TFO and, and Eubanks. That, that's for sure. And maybe there's a there's a set in there for Eubanks. It's not out of the question. And right now it's basically picking who has a chance to win probably sets rather than much. But maybe yeah. Quentin Alice actually. Yeah, that's who I'm gonna go for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't think Kepfer is just that strong. And maybe maybe playing three matches in the qualities is gonna give Alice quite uh, some nice rhythm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is kind of slim pickings towards the end here. It is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for uh, Peter Goyovchik against Umber, which isn't absolutely impossible for him to win some sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go for Ivo Kadlovic. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have him. He's on my team. I'm taking Ivo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you, you took the zero pointer. Thanks for helping me win. This <laughs> you never know. I mean, you know what? Oh, here's the thing if, if Rublev, you know, sprains his ankle in the first three games, Lokalovic's <laughs> second round against Martinez or Duckworth, that's not horrible. So I feel like I'm, go- I'm, going to, I'm going for some potential value there. Okay, potential injury. <laughs> so we've got three people left, right? It's going to be Cressy. Uh, Rune and um, Donskoy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking yeah, Cressy. That, I'm taking Cressy, that's for sure. I was mm-hmm. already thinking of Cressy on the on my previous turn. And now, who is more capable? I mean, has to be Donskoy. I'm going to take Cressy and Donskoy. Uh, so I'm left with Olga, with Olga Rune, who obviously isn't the worst player in here. He is just playing as Novak Djokovic. Yeah. But if Djokovic sprains an ankle, exactly second round potential. Who does he have there? Uh, truth, not un- not unwinnable, not unwinnable. Yeah, definitely possible. <laughs> and then Caruso, Nishikori, McDonald, Goffin. I mean, is winning the whole right, thing so if, if Djokovic to, sprains an ankle. Just to recap, my team is uh, Kukushkin, Zapata, Miraes, Majerjak, Trungeliti, Laksonen, Huang, Koyovchik, Karlovic, and Rune. Your team is Vanezanskulp, Ilkel, Molchan, Ote, Marter, Eubanks, Halis, Kresi, and Donskoy. Yeah, thanks for writing this down. I, I didn't. So <laughs> you spared me a bit of uh, yeah, embarrass, a bit of embarrassment there. 
uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this uh, to this later and then and then write down my picks. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's where we're gonna start. Is there may maybe is there how long are we going? Not that long. Is there anything that you wanted to to talk about in the U.S. Open qualities? Maybe like someone who who was really impressive or you know, the other way around. Yeah, I mean to be completely honest, I didn't watch as much of the qualities as I wanted to since I was away on holiday. Um, but yeah, just just very very happy with with Alex Molchan in there. I saw that uh, Gulbis had some sort of like weird meltdown in his match against Horansky over Hawkeye Live. Um, <laughs> just sort of yeah, the Patamiraj Markora that was that was a, yeah somebody called it like they they're both celebrating their escape from a mental asylum <laughs> on the tennis court because <laughs> yeah they were just both sort of talking to I mean to 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 themselves. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, what did you like about qualifying? Uh, I mean, I... I, I, I that's, the, that's the biggest story. Come again, yeah. Like, like of course, Ivo Karlovic qualifying yeah, was... Pro probably, story. yes. I, I, I think this could actually be a result that that's, you know, makes him reconsider. And he signed up for the carry challenger. Oh, is he? He, he is, but he had to sign up before uh, before the qualies. So, you know, he probably signed up in advance, you know, in, just in case. So I, I guess it's not 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 exactly evidence that he's gonna play yet, uh, but I, I did enjoy a fair few matches here. Like Lehechka Marchenko was huge. Um, Lehechka's really washed up later <laughs> against Ilkal, but uh, as I mentioned before, I was super impressed with with Mike Shark qualifying, Rune, uh, you know, to win 13, uh, 13 matches in eighteen days, and also so little hardcore prep was huge so many like players who almost qualified and were really impressive like Zane Khan Alexander Kovacevic whom, yeah. whom we talked about a fair a fair bit too and I, I remember saying that Galerno and Kovacevic are going to be really good and I'm happy at least Kovacevic is sort of fulfilling this, these prophecies the win over Bonzi was excellent like that that was one of the highest quality performances I've seen the qualities probably and well, Galarno probably would be doing better if he wasn't on the red clay right now. But anyhow, <laughs> I guess I guess that's where we're gonna finish at. Hopefully, the the Australian Open schedule is gonna be a bit better for us, and we're gonna be able to to also predict the qualifiers and then do the draft pick like we did at at Wimbledon. Uh, so we have three uh, Challenger eighties all. Right, yeah, they're all Challenger yes, 80s, one on play and and two on hard. We're finally getting some hardcore events. Uh, so, yes. where do you want to start? Let's, let's get the clay out of the way. Okay. Uh, in in Como, uh, where Daniel Atmaier is the top seed, um, it's it's actually a pretty interesting draw. I feel like there are so many players who could potentially win it. You you have Josef Kovalik as the second seed, who's definitely a threat. Andre Martin, not so much at the third seed. Uh, but you know, like like a lot of the guys that we talked about, Koboli said that Usic, uh, they're they're here, uh, going again. Tirante is in here, uh, so it's it's a pretty exciting draw, um, and it's kind of tough to to sort of figure out what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, th there's definitely potential in exciting matches. Like said that Usic Hussler in the first round is pretty exciting. Potentially against Koboli in the second round. It would be quite fun to to see those two um, go against each other. Hugo Carabelli, I forgot to mention, he's, he's in here with with a special exempt uh, in Altmaier's um, uh, section, actually. Uh, so yeah, what jumps out at, at you from here? 
I mean, again, Altmaier and Kovalik just playing in Warsaw. They seem like considerable favorites, but obviously not as much as they as they were, you know, in the U.S. Open qualities weeks. I'm actually, you know, recently I've decided that I'm going to like recently, like this week, I've decided that I'm gonna go more for higher seeds than, you know, crazy upsides and all. Um, so I, I'm now thinking whether Altmaier or Kovalik is, is a good pick. Like, probably probably going to go with Kovalik. I think his standard of play was was really, really good this week and was just you know, a bit... He was just a bit unlucky to run into Serdarusic on his... I don't know. I, I haven't seen every single Nino Serdarusic match, of course, but I, I feel like this must have been one of his best performances ever. And and uh, and I mean Kovalik was a bit unlucky and also very very frustrated. Like the the rocket throw he did once was absolutely incredible. Uh, it almost flew to the other court and the distance was 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 pretty big between them. Like if if there were if a, if a point was being played, I think they might have you know called a let. But it was actually during a, a break before the before a super tie break. But I I'm sure Kovalik didn't know that. And he didn't even go to collect the racket. He went to get a new one. Uh, it was down a set point and lost the lost the set in that in that one point, and then went for the racket. Uh, so he was he he had some crazy moments this week, really. And uh, yeah, and I'm gonna go with him. But I was definitely thinking of Tirante as well. As, um, and Tirante might have one of the better upsides of of all the people in the draw here, honestly. Yeah, I, I just think it's interesting to have like basically um, like almost everybody who we've talked about uh, either not doing as well as, as we expected, like Altman, or having a big run like Zepiari, Koboli, Ugukarabili, mm-hmm. and Sedarasuj. I mean, all four of those are in this draw, uh, unseated, so, th- so they're definitely somebody to watch out for. I just wanted to quickly mention Dustin Brown uh, is playing doubles again with Andre Martin this time. Which actually would be a very, very fun, like, you know, they're obviously very different kinds of players who could complement each other on a, on a doubles court. So I find that quite interesting. But yeah, ultimately, I did go for Daniel Altmaier, um, even though he he took a bad loss last week and generally was, was a bit weird with the Leo Borg stuff. Um, I still think that he is the most capable of all of these players he's, he's i think he's the best player in the draw so i'm going to pick him you just reminded me that we didn't talk about something very important in prague about the doubles draw because you know who won it uh so- oh yes yeah yeah <laughs> the pair that i that i said was pretty good i am not gonna treat it, it, it as a success right. of mine but like i i i don't know well, you already said fuck in this episode, so maybe I can say I don't know shit about doubles. But Petros Tsitsipas and Vlad Viktor Kornea are actually a very good team. I mean, it seems to me. I, I don't know the specifics of doubles, but you know, I can say if someone has a good volleying technique, if if they if they if they you know uh, if their abilities combine well together, and to me, it really seemed like so. I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't want to ruin your party here, but they they did play four matches. I, um, I one of one of them was a walkover. Stop! No, two, no, no. Two of them were against like wild cards, I'm and one okay. of them was fourteen twelve. 
I don't so. care. <laughs> I mean, Tsitsipas is actually on a very good run. Like, he won. Yeah, I, mean, that, I, don't think he, I don't think he's like really horrible. He won that like, ITF. He won that, he, well, six match win streak. He won that ITF with uh, Schmitz and also earlier with Cornea. Uh, 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 even earlier with uh, Tim uh, Podzus, the, the Latvian guy. We talked about this as well. So uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he's been playing quite well recently. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing they're playing together again in, in Saint-Tropez. Um, and, yes. and they're actually... Yeah, I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to start watching Challenger Doubles now and become a fan of Tsitsipas Cornea. But I don't know. I, I, I could be a fan of Cornell. Like really, the, the the physicality is great. Like the, the the lefty serve, he's he's got super good reach. Like I I could see myself following this guy. Yeah, I mean I I think you're onto something because like as a pair, their record is nine and one. I just feel like this title has a fluky feel about it. I'm okay, uh, I can see what you mean. I mean, there there was that 14-12 win or something like that. 14-12 and like two matches against wild cards and one walkover. That was that was the so title. Hertz Peniston, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I can I can totally see what you mean, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we, I guess we shall see. I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not saying they're 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 excellent, but I just thought that you know people were sort of laughing off Petras Tsitsipas in every single doubles draw because you know it's Petras yeah, Tsitsipas no, he gets 90 outcards, but I, I feel like he actually has some talent under there. Yeah, I mean like like, like him him playing ATP level doubles and even like like singles quality is laughable because he's just not yeah on definitely level. i mean the singles quality is him playing at a challenge of 50 is 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 it's like pretty much his level in doubles so i, I don't think it's really laughable i mean he, he wasn't there with the wild card. he was the number four seed yeah so <laughs> I mean, in doubles in doubles that's probably uh like I, w- I would even argue that he he should be playing normal challengers in doubles without the wild cards but in singles mm-hmm. he definitely shouldn't be atp playing atp qualities i mean come on yeah. uh and, and whenever he does it's it, it doesn't work out well for him so yeah so 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 i already mentioned central pay so let's go to there sure. we have uh the number one challenger player this year benjamin bonzi as a top seed, uh, kind of a, well, I mean, you, you did mention that was a very high level performance from, from Kovacevic in New York, but it ha- he has to be disappointed as the top seed in qualifying yeah. to not make it through. Like that's, it, it's always such a difficult position to be in. Um, and it, it's an interesting tournament. There's definitely some names in here. We, we have Kokinakis, who I'm very excited to see again. We have Christopher O'Connell, who, who's not been uh, around for a while. Uh, Artur Kazal is in here with the wild card. That's always interesting to watch. Uh, watch if he progresses. Uh, Elias Imer. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like, well, I, I, I do and I don't like Bonzi's draw here because he does open against Borg, uh, but he, he has potentially Kirian Jacquet in the uh, second round who's had some big results this, this year. So uh, yeah, what do you think about it? Have you seen the qualities draw, by the way? Um, there were th- j- just three matches today. Yeah, a lot of buys yeah. and a lot of alternates. Nobody called me. I would have. I would have gone down. Yeah. To I, mean, I, I don't. I don't know <laughs> if. I don't think I have a, an ITF license at the moment. But I mean, what the hell happened here? Like, 
Okay, but but that's that's why Galeno hasn't played yet, yeah, because I was I was thinking where I remembered he was at, at one of these events. Um, yeah, but probably not looking at the qualities, even though I really like Galerno's game, and I'm very happy he's gonna be playing on hard courts now because that's definitely where his potential lies. I'm not probably probably not looking at him as a potential title winner here. Uh, Luca Vanasha is playing the, the the boys singles champion from this year's Ron Garros. I did not feel like he should have a smooth transition from juniors. Uh, probably not not enough weapons. So you know we shall see if he has a, a chance against Immer. I remember him beating Foraitek in like February was a pretty big thing. But you know Foraitek, yeah, we've been pretty disappointed uh, about since. Um, yeah, okay, I, I kind of, I probably, oh, Kokinakis as well, I, I missed him totally. So I, I do have two people that I'm thinking about. Um, just let me look who has a who has an easier draw. Probably this one, okay, so I, I know who I'm going to go for, but I'm just going to ask you, do, uh, do you happen to know the, the series of movies with uh, Louis Define about uh, a policeman from Saint-Tropez? Hold on. Oh yes, yes, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the I don't know if they're if they're popular around the world, but I that they they're, they're popular in in the Czech Republic in, in Slovakia. Yeah, I, in I, Poland I, as well. I'm not sure what you meant initially, but now I, I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a bit of you know trouble translating it and all, but <laughs> but I mean that they they were pretty popular in Poland as well, like uh, you know on TV a lot. And I used to watch uh, watch them as a kid. And anytime I see the you know the name of the city, I just I just think about Louis Dauphiné. Uh, so anyhow, uh, I'm gonna go with Alpin Black. I don't know if to say who the other guy who I was contemplating was. Go ahead. Uh, it was Kokinakis. Uh, maybe yes. maybe it's wishful thinking, but I mean, uh, but Chelik Bilek is probably wishful thinking as well. But I just love the I, I love the upside of his forehand, and I feel like if he got a better draw at the US Open qualities, he could have done a lot better. I would love, you know, he 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 lost to O'Connell fa- fairly easily, so I'm hoping that there's not gonna be a rematch of this event, uh, of this match in this event. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a lot of people to consider. Kokinakis I thought about, but I don't really like him playing with Zizou Bergs uh, in the second round. I feel like that's a that's a potential mm-hmm. upset for him. Christopher O'Connell, obviously quarterfinals in in Atlanta. Um, be like very talented player. I am going for Bonzi though because every single time that I start to doubt Benjamin Bonzi, <laughs> comes back to me in the ass. So yeah, going for Bonzi here. He's gonna be back in his natural habitat. Uh, yes. The challenger tour, and uh, maybe maybe he's just gonna pile up another five wins. So you you've been picking uh, top seed top seeds Two this top week so far. I'm, I'm not picking a top seed for the third yeah, one. Yeah, I just saw who the top seed is, and I wouldn't expect you to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not picking Uchiyama. I can promise you that. Yeah, Mallorca. What a weird draw because like all, like almost all of the big seeds, I have no confidence in. Or any of these players. I don't trust anybody in this draw as far as I can throw them. Uchiyama, then you have Vedasco, then you have Liam Brody, who like, hmm, maybe, but not really. I don't really trust him. Uh, number four seed, Ross, who's, uh, uh, who's been, yeah, struggle. Eight wins all year, quite bad. 
Um, then we have, who's, not, who's the number five here? Sebastian Ofner. Don't know about him, kind of middling year. Um, and then you have Barrios Vera, uh, Juk, and Rola, who, yeah, I mean, there's some other interesting names in this draw. There's Dimitar Kuzmanov, there's uh, Ben Atomic. Ben Atomic, yeah. I've yeah, got a prediction to make uh, yes. at this point. We're, we're going to pick the same guy. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna be if it's gonna be uh, true, but I, I feel like looking at the draw, I feel like we're gonna pick the same guy. But I also wanted to mention the qualies draw, which also has a lot of alternates, including Jan Zieliński. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to read his name I, as it's Spanish. I imagine Juan Nadal. I don't. I don't see him in here. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's probably not updated yet. He's a wild card uh, for the qualies. Just playing don't. against Chapel. Uh, actually, I think the qualies only starts tomorrow. Uh, at the main draw starts starts Tuesday. I don't know what the reason for that is, but yeah. Wait. So, 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 so this is the the Rafa Nadal Open. Yep. So, so is is this Nadal some sort of uh, relation? To it the, is to the, the son of Tony. Oh, so, so so he is he's Rafael Nadal's cousin. Uh, would be cousin, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's Uncle Tony. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 cousin for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we should definitely watch him then, see what he can do. If he somehow beats Chapel, his second round is basically already won because it's potentially Bellucci, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bellucci or ah, okay, oh, yeah, I've got no idea who this guy is. I mean, a, a lot of alternates here. There's a guy called uh, Esa Kabazat from Kuwait. Actually, if the if the two wildcards progress, do you see what match we can get? Uh, Third section what, what, what? of the qualies. Third section of the qualies. So Zandal so, so against Giotis. Giotis. Yeah. Know that is. But do you know what's uh, what's the name of Giotis? The first his first name? Oh, oh my God! It's Rafael. Yeah, Raf- <laughs> we can get a Rafael versus Nadal. That would be huge. <laughs> yes, that that would be that would be great for the Challenger Tour. I feel, I feel like yeah, that would make their whole. Year. I mean, that would be a big story for sure. I mean, Rafael as soon as Nadal. as soon as this gets set up, I'm I'm tweeting about it. But I mean, not really expecting that since. Maybe, maybe even now, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe I'm gonna do that after. Yeah, it's it's not it's not happening. I imagine. I'm looking at uh, Juan Nadal's junior records, and he played two two events so far. So yeah, there's there's really not much info we can get on his level. And as for uh, senior events, he played two 15Ks in Manacor, qualies draws, and won one match against Dennis Klok. Uh, do you know Peter Privara? Uh, who? Peter Privara. Privara. Oh, oh yeah. Peter mm. Benjamin Privara. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He lost 4 6 for 6 to him uh, at Manacor. I don't know if Privara is any good or not. I mean, Privara, I, I almost played doubles with him once, oh. funnily enough, <laughs> uh, at, at, at like at uh, under 14s. But when he was like, like he, he's obviously like three years younger than me, so he was just starting, but he was already good then. Yeah, Privara uh, is obviously like three years younger than you. 
<laughs> I, I I totally knew how how old Peter Benjamin Primo was. I mean, I mean, like, like to be to be fair, he, he was like he was the the tennis Europe number one on under really? 16 uh, last oh. year, I think. Now he's trying to like, and he's like top 100 juniors. No, I I've never heard of him, but but very possible. He, I don't uh, follow him. Can he better? beginning of the year so, yeah so that was pretty fitting. i mean, like, I mean like, like like on the main tour he's not that much yet like, like when he plays these like slow guys like horanski mm-hmm. and stuff like that he gets beaten quite badly well you're, so, you're absolutely right 27th in the junior rankings i'm actually quite surprised i don't know the name because i oh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I was scrolling for our, him he's like our generational talent he's, he's our biggest okay. for saving tennis <laughs> it's a shame you didn't play doubles with him then <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I still I, like, like I saw my tournaments. He like he was already he insisted on playing a one-handed backhand since he was like eight years old, and I saw him when he was eleven. So he would sort of, but, but like the way that he would like keep himself in rallies even at that age was like quite wild. And obviously now he's like you know six foot three, it's like 190 centimeters, and he's like you know he has a serve, he has a forehand, so he can actually like play actual real tennis now. So. It's really good, but yeah, to the guy that we're both gonna pick, I'm picking Katsperjuk in my own. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I don't know. I just he just seems like the most sensible option. No, he, he's just like his recent results are are not anything to write home about. Really, kind of meh, um, for quite a while. But he, he is to me one of like the most talented players in this draw in this moment, like like at the moment. It seems like a lot of players in this draw are past it or currently struggling. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at the seats here, like I was, I was expecting a terrible field, honestly, and it sort of is with all the with all the alternates. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. definitely weaker than Santropa, which is kind of surprising, honestly. Uh, you'd think that the Rafa Nadal Open would attract a lot of players and all. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I'm also definitely picking Zhuk. I I have big hopes for him now that he's back on the hard courts than indoors. Like I, I don't think he's I don't think that clay is gonna be a big surface for him. I don't think the loss to Quentin is at the at the French Open is anything bad. Uh, against Kuzmanov on hard courts, he probably should be should be winning. So uh, yeah, Zhuk, Zhuk is a, I feel like a, a very yeah. I, just looking at the draw, I I really felt like we we're, we're both gonna pick Zhuk because yeah. Although he is playing one of your other favorites, Dimitar Kuzmanov in the first round. So, so yeah, I, that I picked him. The, but you, you did you did pick him as well. I remember, uh, and that was the one he point, lost yes. to. Yeah. He lost to Marigani Rodriguez Alves in, in the quarters at something 6 Uh But I, I can't remember the event, but we definitely sure. picked this month. Yeah. That, that, that sounds like that happened. Um, even yeah, it, it did. It did. It, I, I, I definitely remember that. I just can't remember which challenger it was, but we, pick, we picked him this that week, uh, definitely. Uh, uh, Iasi. That we have here. Hmm? Come again. Do we have anything else? No, probably not. Stefan Kozlov is playing, which is kind of interesting, honestly. After after the US Open qualities, he went to, to Mallorca. I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, there's probably Sander and not not rain yeah. for most of the week, like like in Slovakia or, or Poland or probably GB <laughs> as well. Was, yeah, I mean, I mean, here it's, it's, it's more rainy. In Slovakia, I was there for 10 days. It was actually quite quite sunny, quite good weather for most of it. So that was quite nice. Yeah, I, I wish I could say the same. But... 
uh, yeah, it's just weather. We cannot control it. Hopefully, the weather is going to be good for Santorpe, Como, and uh, <laughs> and what? Jesus, Mallorca. Uh, yeah, and Mallorca this week, and they're going to be able to finish all the events. Uh, thanks for listening again. Uh, we hope to see you soon. Actually, uh, I saw September was is going to be absolutely crazy because it's five events in every week. <laughs> Never going to sleep again. <laughs> I there, there's that one week after the US Open when there's no main interaction. So you know. I ho- I'm hoping more people will tune into Challenger Tour events. That's also the week Szczecin is happening and it has like six top 100 players, which is pretty huge. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, Monteiro, uh, Andujar, Martinez, uh, Cecchinato, Carbaez Baena, Travalia, I feel, but I'm, I'm not sure about the last one. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, we, we, we were saying goodbye. So uh, yeah, <laughs> see you in a week. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another Challenger edition of the Great Shout Podcast. A thank you, as always, to Damian Coos and Jakob Babro for taking the time to host this show. You can hear more from Damian on our Crack Rackets platforms. He joined me on the Mini Break podcast last week, wrote a couple of articles for our Crack Rackets website as well. So, of course, check out all of his fantastic work that he is doing. Of course, speaking of that U.S. Open, I mentioned it at the top. Mini Break podcast each and every day. Recapping each day's action, GSP Ace of the Days each afternoon, offering our picks for how the next day is going to unfold for our Patreon subscribers, Match of the Day podcast each and every day, which we may release publicly on the weekends for all of you listeners as well. Of course, we're eternally grateful to our Crack Rackets Patreon family, to all of you listeners who continue to tune in. A shout out as well to Super Producers Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job they do it day in day out a shout out to our friends at Turner Tennis of course contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner family today of course again immediate updates Twitter Instagram Facebook YouTube at Cracked Rackets you want to message me directly I'm at Great Shot Pod like rate subscribe review to this show the Cracked Interviews podcast our mini break podcast feed and everything we are doing here at Cracked Rackets but with all of that in mind for our wonderful host Damien Kusanyaka Babro, Super Producers Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.